da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Well, fellas, ladies, joining us, uh, it's been 22 years, and uh, and not a day overdue. Uh, we we had hoped and prayed that this day would come, and we had even talked about this in the past couple weeks. But our prayers have been answered. My rain dance has finally paid off. I do a, a ritualistic rain dance every night in order for this to happen. <laughs> Finally, on the on the star, at the <laughs> on this in the, yeah in the, in the center of the star, in the Cowboys facility, um, in a George Teague jersey, <laughs> <laughs> waving an American flag like every patriot. <laughs> um, uh, finally, guys, twenty two years later, two thousand and seventeen, we finally get a sequel to A Kid in King Arthur's Court. It's it's <laughs> not a day overdue. It's about time, really. It's it's the most timely sequel that I've encountered in the in the history of the show. Uh, and uh, finally, we can talk Thomas Ian Nicholas's role yeah. in A Kid in King Arthur's Court even more. Because we didn't we talk about it enough. We tried the, a Kickstarter like seven times now. So it's, it's nice that this finally got off the ground in a studio format. Sad, sad thing about this is, um, what, would you ra- what would you rather watch? <laughs> a Kid in King Arthur's Court or watch King Arthur? Legend of the Sword again. <laughs> if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago, my answer might have been different. But uh, having <laughs> having suffered through. Oh, by the way, yeah. there was a sequel to A Kid in King Arthur's Court called A Kid in Aladdin's Palace that I had oh, no, no idea existed until just now. No. So this is the world we live in, where uh, King Arthur's Court needed direct video sequels. <laughs> It's a weird time for Disney in the 90s. There's a lot of yeah, weird movies that came lost. out. Yeah. A lot of straight-to-video action. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster yeah. was uh, was the Netflix of its time. So <laughs> yeah. you could just put out movies and nobody saw them. That's great. But uh, it's always nice to have the option. Mm-hmm. So, uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. By the way, um, I'm going to go out and say right up front that the... Hyphenated, not the hyphenated. The the colon in the movie title needs to stop. Yeah, I'm done with the We're overdoing Kong that. Skull Island. The, I mean, I understand the Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, like that. That makes sense because that you know you have to separate the books somehow. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm tired of the tacked on double meaning for a uh, for a movie, and I hope that it's a trend that stops right right now. That, I mean, that or we can start subtitling. All of our episodes with a colon. No, I'm no, it's not. <laughs> just about just go in like Friends did, the one mm-hmm. with just the yeah. legend okay. of the cup. <laughs> um, you know, the tale of the Ghostbusters remake. You know, things like that. I'm, I'm, I, I can think of ten titles that are better than King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. I mean, that is just you're asking for your movie to fail by titling it that. Like that, that's the the first thing to do when. Marketing a movie is coming up with a title that is going to attract an audience. Um, <laughs> King Arthur would have been better. Um, yeah. Camelot would have been, been better. Yeah. Uh, Excalibur. Camelot again. with a K, maybe. Just switch it up a little. <laughs> you know, uh, Excalibur would have been a better title. You know, uh-huh. reboot that. Uh, Knights of the Round Table could have been a mm-hmm. better title. Or King Arthur Origins would have been right. better. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, I, I just. <laughs> That's just one of many fails 
that led to the absolute bomb of King Arthur Legend of the Sword this past weekend. And uh, this is one that we're going to talk about in depth here in a little bit. We got some movie news and rumblings and things to talk about and some some, uh, State of the Union type stuff to get out of the way. But uh, just one of the many reasons that this didn't succeed, in my opinion, is the the title. Uh, You got to get people in the seats. You got to find a way for uh, people to be intrigued. And I don't think that that was intriguing at all. And just one of many things that were not intriguing about King Arthur, which I'm excited to talk about. I I like to talk about why things fail because it's it's way more than just the movie sucked. Because there's a lot of factors that go into just people wanting to go see the movie and uh, the word of mouth that kind of comes out of movies. Uh, there's many decisions along the way made by people other than the director that affect. Uh, what happens uh, with a movie success? So I, I'm always excited so, to talk about the industry side of things too. So I'm I'm confused. Are you saying this movie is not good? Because I loved it. I'm Did you not see it? Or just can't wait. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. It looks like you know what? And I'll say, uh, you know, off the top, we said it a couple weeks ago in our summer movie draft episode. I had high hopes for this. I came yeah. in with an open mind. Like thought, you know, the idea was there. The director has a pretty decent track record. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think the source material, that's another topic that I'm excited to talk about. I think the source <laughs> material has potential. Uh, was this the correct use of that potential? Obviously not. So I'm excited <laughs> to talk about that a little bit later. But uh wouldn't be a Mad About Movies podcast without movie news, rumors, rumblings. But before we do that, uh, a few th- notes to get out of the way here first. Uh, first of all, Uh, We're proud to say that you can now listen to Mad About Movies on Alexa. If you have an Alexa Bean, uh, Amazon uh, Prime little voice controller thing, you just say, hey, Alexa, listen to Mad About Movies podcast. And I think uh, we've been told that that works now. So enjoy that. Awesome. Enjoy listening to our voices over your home PAs and just in every single room of your life and waking up to our voices every morning as your alarm clock. So that is now a possibility. I know that's been requested, and that can be done. Also, a lot of new merch to announce on the show. Uh, if you go to our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, click on store. We have a Public account now. That you, There's several different designs on there. Uh, there's a new Blue Ribbons design that I really like. There's a, a Mam Fam t-shirt on there. Uh, but not only t-shirts. You can now get coffee mugs. Uh, you can get notebooks you can get uh, a laptop sleeve you can get other kinds of items with our logo printed on there and other s- different kinds of logos printed on there and uh that's a really cool service and you can pick you know 20 different colors that you want your shirt it's not only one design one color you can get a you know our logo on a pink shirt if you want that that you can do that on there and uh we, we're really excited for the fans to just be able to have uh our merch and wear it to cons and things like that, that they enjoy doing and wearing its premieres. By the way, if you ever buy a shirt, please tweet us uh, you wearing the shirt somewhere. Yeah. And uh, we love to retweet those and spread the word that way. And it's really cool to see our shirts out in public and things like that. So we're trying to make that easier for you. And, uh, you know, grab a MamFam coffee mug and go to your local coffee shop. And if you want to be the most popular person in town, I'm sure that will do the deed. Um, so very cool. Again, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Click on store and that'll take you right there. Okay. So now for a little bit of movie news, rumors, rumblings. Uh, This little bit of movie news, I guess it's kind of rumbling-ish, but uh, as far as I know, this is official. Uh, (laughs) On the the topic 
of bad movie titles. Uh, we have a sequel that's been announced that uh, might be one of the worst sequel titles I've ever seen. If that's a, if if the first one wasn't a bad title enough, so uh, we were all fans of the movie a couple years ago starring Emily Blunt and starring Tom Cruise, <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, right? Yeah, uh, or lived I repeat. And, and when it went to oh. video, uh, they remarketed it as Live Die Repeat, and that's what they felt would draw the people on the you yeah. know going through their local Walmart five dollar bin. Oh, Live Die Repeat. Material? The source yeah. material was called uh, "All You Need Is Kill," which is uh, which is which is what it was going to be originally called, and then they were like, "All You Need Is Kill" sucks as a title. Let's call it "Edge of Tomorrow." Okay, that's actually a pretty cool title, but what is it about? Like, how does that tell you at all yeah. what uh, the movie is about? I still think it's a cool title, a cooler band name than it is a movie title, like "Edge of Tomorrow." <laughs> New album from Edge of Tomorrow, like <laughs> Sinister. Currently on tour yeah. with Camelot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's a cool movie title, but again, it didn't help any. Uh, you know, the movie didn't do very well in the box office. And they were trying to give it all. It was a good yeah. movie. They were trying to give it a chance on uh, in the home market. I understand that. That so, might be the only movie ever, as far as I can think of, that changed its title for home release that was a good movie. Like, every time yeah. that has happened in my lifetime, it's been because the movie sucked, and we were trying to find a way to get people to still buy the DVD slash VHS, yeah. whatever it might have been, yeah, uh, and make them maybe forget that what they were buying is something that they already saw in the theater, and it was terrible. A.K.A. Yeah. Ghostbusters yeah. answer the call. Ghostbusters answer the call. Is How what dare did. you? Oh. In these the times, time. Brian. According to Paul Feig's Twitter, it's a really good movie. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great movie. And uh, again, according to his Twitter, he will not stop trying to convince people that Ghostbusters did not suck. That's his and life's you work. Like it, you hate women. Yeah, yeah obviously. You, you you can't dislike the movie without hating all women who have ever existed. So we figured that out pretty yeah. fast. Um. So, all that to say, the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow, which it is getting a sequel, separate kind of side note. We kind of hoped that it would get a sequel. It had fun material. Maybe we had hoped to see what would happen with the Emily Blunt character and Tom Cruise, and and those that was all stuff we we enjoyed. It was a universe that we liked, and and we would revisit. You know, if we ever got the chance. Didn't really think that the box office uh, appeal would lead to that, but um, it has. And the sequel is called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's what it's actually called. Live, not Die, right. Repeat, and Repeat. So uh, talk about attracting people to the audience. Honey, uh, what do you want to go see? This new Tom Hanks movie? Oh, Spielberg's got one out. Or this Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Uh, honey, What? that sounds terrible. I'm not, I don't even... <laughs> Well, it, it looks kind of similar to that Edge of Tomorrow movie, but it, it can't be that because that was called Edge of Tomorrow. You know, it's just so confusing. And I mean, they're just asking for at least that aspect of it to not work out for them. Um, so, Brian, I, got, I know your thoughts, but uh, any thoughts on Live, Die, Repeat and Repeat? Yeah, it's a bad name. It's just a bad title. And I, I mean, I get what they're doing. It's like with this world that we live in of trailers and incredible press and all that sort of stuff like they're they're basically saying that the title doesn't matter i i would disagree um but because 
the first one didn't have Edge of Tomorrow's fine title, but trailers were confusing for people when you combine that with the trailer or excuse me with the title. It's not it's just not a great combination. And that is a movie that was horribly underseen uh, on these shores. It did well overseas. It's the only reason it's getting uh, a sequel. But I don't know, dude. That's just that's not a great title. We sh- could probably we should be able to come up with something better for a Tom Cruise Emily Blunt action movie that was good. That's really good. This and so the sequel should be. Uh, just as good. Now, to be fair, I don't think we need this. Like Edge of Tomorrow or Live Die Repeat was a very solid film that I really liked. I think it was in my top ten that year, or or just on the outside. It's not a movie that I think is begging for uh, a sequel or a franchise or anything like that. So maybe that's part of the problem is you're you're trying to build on something. Even in the title, you're trying to build on something that doesn't really need to be built upon. But uh, if you're gonna do it, can we just come up with a name that maybe might get more than 40 million bucks on opening weekend. Like that might be a stretch at this point. Why not the edge of the day after tomorrow? Sure. (laughs) Sure. I mean, Uh, anything is really is probably better than this, but again, it doesn't, it doesn't need a sequel. It it should just be left alone. Yeah. Uh, And I I know, I understand. I know that's the industry. We, we have to sequelize and franchise everything, but like we, we really don't, this is not a movie that is begging for that sort of treatment. That's how you know Hollywood is desperate for sequels, is if Edge of Tomorrow gets a sequel, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I never would have expected it or predicted it. But, um, you know, I thought it was one of those standalone sci-fi movies that can live on its own and get praise for what it is, and then that's it. We move on, and Tom Cruise doesn't flies out of another airplane or, you know, flies around in some kind of uh, exoskeleton in another movie, you know? Uh, but mm-hmm. it was... It was fine, I guess, but I guess the sequel is getting. So Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Richard, are you going to be there opening night? Uh, yeah, I love uh, Live, Die, Repeat, Slash, Edge of Tomorrow, and I love Cruise, but uh, they're really high on this. Like uh, Doug Lyman was like, this will revolutionize sequels as we know it. And they, I think like they all got high and came up with a really good idea, and now they have <laughs> to make... I don't know. But it must have done really well in home media because it didn't... Yeah. I mean, it didn't... I mean, it didn't do... It wasn't like a King Arthur flop, but it it didn't do as expected, even though it was really good and had good It was buzz, never, so. yeah, it was never number one in the U.S., and all, mm-hmm. all I remember from that time is everybody on Twitter saying, everyone seriously go see this movie. Why is it not making, it made $4 million last week. Why is nobody yeah. seeing it? It's really good. Seriously, Jeez. go support good movies when they're out, you know, and it just didn't do, didn't do, didn't make the waves that they, they wanted it to, but hey, enough to make a sequel, and you know, again, it's a universe. Uh, it's worth Man. revisiting, in my opinion. It was barely profitable, too. That's like yeah. it only made a hundred million here, twenty-eight million opening weekend. It did well overseas, but not like I mean, it's not gangbusters. It it made three hundred and seventy million dollars total. Its production budget was one hundred and eighty million. So they probably spent another hundred on marketing. Yeah, that's, it's probably a two hundred fifty million dollar investment. Yeah, for fifty million dollars. Very small pull on a movie that you're trying to to franchise. I, I don't know, man. That's not great. Very weird. Very weird. Uh, so nonetheless, uh, it is coming out. This is actually a topic that uh, I wanted to bring up before we talk uh, King Arthur. Uh, Ind- the Independent in the UK put out uh, an article, I think, uh, yesterday, on Monday. Uh, the 15th of May, talking about the predictions for this summer's box office and this year's box office. Uh, apparently, 
the forecast has this being the worst summer in a decade uh, for movies. Uh, the LA Times is actually the people that are reporting this, not the Independent. I should uh, I should clarify that. Uh, the LA Times is reporting that uh, it's gonna see a, a, probably a, a half a billion dollar loss compared to last year. So last year took in four point four five billion from the summer. This is expected to be a four billion dollar summer, which you know we say. $4 billion, surely that's successful, but uh, when you're taking it down, you know, 10% or more from the year prior, uh, that's not, it's not good. And uh, surely as a studio, and all studios want to be building on things, right? They never want to take a step back in in total gross revenue and things like that. And, and surely, the, you know, if you're releasing a sequel this year, Surely it'll do better than the sequel before because more people saw the one before. You know it'll gain fans, and each sequel should eventually be building upon the se- the, the movie before it until you have this epic conclusion at the end, and, and everybody can uh, can call it a day. So the fear is that uh, there's just too many sequels this year, right? Uh, there there is a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It's the fifth. Uh, there's a Transformers movie. It's the fifth one, right? Uh, it's the sixth Alien movie that's being released, mm-hmm. right? It's the it's the third Apes movie that's coming out. Uh, and you compare that with um, last year, the sequels that didn't do too well, Star Trek Beyond, X-Men Apocalypse, Independence Day Resurgent, and uh, Resurgence, and Alice in Wonderland, or Richard Through the Looking Glass, uh, didn't do too well last year as far as sequels. Uh, but you look at the original films that are coming out this year, the, the blockbuster original you know, no movie before it, original source materials, somewhat. Uh, so we have King Arthur, flop, made $14 million on a $150 million budget. Uh, Baywatch, coming out soon. That's kind of a reboot, though, in a way. That's not necessarily an original franchise, but they, they hope it will be, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets and uh, The Dark Tower. So those are really the ones that, uh, blockbuster-wise, could... Sp- spawn some kind of franchise depending on how well they do uh domestically uh but i i think the biggest probably uh you know maybe the surefire winner is dunkirk like it has positive buzz uh you know it has some credibility behind it with christopher nolan and tom hardy uh involved in that project and uh you know some source material that is at least based on fact somewhat you know and Mm-hmm. I think Dunkirk will do gangbusters overseas because, you know, the Dunkirk story in the UK is like a huge deal. You know, it's a, right. it's a story that they tell their kids and things like that over there. Uh, to us in the US, it's probably a little more foreign as far as the story itself. But again, it'll be more informative that way and we'll be more curious about it. And I'm sure the uh, the word of mouth will draw people to the theaters uh, as far as that goes in the middle of the summer when we're coming off Transformers and, and uh, things like that. So that's a positive, but also I wanted to ask you guys how much of that, how much of this, a has to do with uh, bad movies and just just bad sort. You know, all the movies that we kind of were looking forward to have, have kind of come out already. Guardians and Fast have already come out, and we're you know two weeks into May, and we've kind of have the biggest movies of the summer probably have already come out. Uh, and you know, minus uh, Despicable Me and things like that. 
But uh, how much of this has to do with just what's how convenient it is to be at home and watch a movie on Netflix and, and binge, binge watch a TV show and, and getting that fixed that way instead of going out to the movies. And uh, I should mention there are some smaller movies that'll probably do well critically, such as Baby Driver, uh, Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron and, you know, All Eyes on Me and, and movies like that that will come, but they won't make, they won't be blockbusters. They'll do, they'll do well and they'll have an audience, but it won't, won't lead to multiple sequels and things like that, I would not think. So the big tentpole films are all looking at failures, uh, what the forecast is saying. So why do you think that is? And I guess it's just the ebb and flow of the business, you know, good year here, bad year there, good year here, bad year there. And it's just kind of uh, every other year we seem to get great movies as far as that goes. But Richard, any thoughts on just the forecast of the summer and uh, what's what's been going on well, lately? Yeah, I think... I think the idea of summer movie season is is oh very much kind of dead in a way. I think I just think um there's still blockbusters that come out, but now, you know, the the winter blockbusters, you know, the Christmas time blockbuster for instance Star Wars now is oftentimes the the biggest film of the year. And then you have these big spring releases. I mean uh with Fast on Easter weekend, Guardians was, you know, late April early May. Um you know, it's just kind of a, it's the, the idea of the Memorial Day to Labor Day uh, tentpole season. Beauty and the Beast, the Kong, yeah. all those yep. movies have come out already, you know? Yep. So it's just kind of an earlier thing, I think. Um, and then some years, maybe it's a later schedule. I don't really know the thought that goes into that. Uh, but the the I think now with, you know, with uh it used to be everything everything huge just came out in July. I mean there hasn't really been a big 4th of July movie in 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 years. And so it's just sort of a different thing. I think on the whole the year will be a big um a big money maker and a lot of these movies will make a lot of money. You know Pirates is going to make a ton. And quite frankly, a lot of this comes to the fact that you know the these aren't necessarily these blockbuster movies aren't necessarily made for American audiences anymore. And the idea of the American family going out to see a movie, you know, that appeals to us all, they don't care about that. I mean, film studios don't care about that. They care about uh, a global marketplace. And uh, so kind of carving out your own month where you can have a lot of lead time um, is more important than saying, hey, I'm going to release something in June and then something else is going to come back out uh, the next week in June and then it will kind of be forgotten about. I'd rather just own March. And have it go all around the world and make my two billion, and everyone's happy. So I think it's just a different industry now than it was. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I think I think you're both right. I think it's partly that the products that we're getting or the properties we're getting this summer are, in some cases, are kind of down properties. Like I don't care about Transformers and Despicable. So you know, some of these are not the biggest tent poles that we could possibly be working on. And, and a bit of I think a big part is just. Personally, I, I think it's actually smart from the studio's perspective to try to spread out some of the bigger, more blockbustery kinds of movies to try to get some separation from uh, the Fast movies and the Guardians and Spider-Man Homecoming is going to be huge. And so all these movies that come along that are like, like you guys, you mentioned uh, Kong and then you're going to have movies, you know, Justice League is in the fall or almost almost Blade uh, Runner in the fall, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and start, you know, so it's like I kind of get the idea of like, let's stay away from those movies. If we don't have Guardians or we don't have Spider-Man or 
Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another one that's, there's really not, uh, maybe Suicide Squad last year. I mean, that was a huge, that was a, a pretty decent hit. So like, if you don't have one of those movies, then it, it does make some sense to try to stay away from those movies and to get your movie open in a spot where it has like a couple of weeks, if not a full month before the next biggest competitor comes along. I mean, the movie we're talking about tonight, I think it's, it's certainly a small piece of the pie, but it is a piece of the pie. Part of the problem with with King Arthur is that they released it the week after Guardians came out, and Guardians just continues to swallow up anything um, that's going to come out for the for the next week think or about, so. And think about so, Wolverine too. I mean, Wolverine. Yeah, is a big yeah. Movie. Logan was yeah. Logan was huge, yeah, but, and that doesn't even feel like this year for some reason. But yeah, no, that kind of like kicked off the whole thing. So I don't know. I think you're right, Richard. At the end of the year, these. I think we're going to be looking at a, a pretty solid year, uh, total box office wise and everything. It's just, it's not, it's not all about these three months anymore. And whatever the factor is on that or the, the multiple factors, it's just kind of a, it, it is the reality. And the further and further we get into marketing to China and, and everywhere overseas, and that's, it, it's not going to change, right? Like it's not going to revert back the other way as long as those markets. Uh, are so important to the overall haul. So yeah, look, uh, May through August may not look great, but come the end of 2017, we're going to say, oh, those numbers are pretty decent compared to everything else. And of course, Star Wars will help that number quite a bit. But yeah, it, it, I, like I said, personally, I kind of think the studios are smart for trying to keep their like B team tent poles away from uh, the big sharks, as it were. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think that uh, maybe the summer movie season has just kind of evolved into kids' movie season. You know, what are you going to, your kids are out sure. for the summer. So we're going to, you know, throw as many Disney movies and Despicable Me's out and emoji movies and uh, things like that out there as we possibly can. And yeah. uh, last year it was like, you know, fi- Finding Dory and Secret Life of Pets. And they were just coming from left and right Zootopia and Moana and so many kids movies came out last year i think they know like really that's where the money is you know is uh is that stuff maybe save their good movies for the fall actually give them a chance and uh you know put out more just uh junk food type stuff in the summer and uh you know we really need the the blockbuster to be revolutionized again right Uh, i remember like men in black came out which we'll be talking about probably sometime this summer in in a throwback Mm -hmm. episode because of the anniversary 20 years by the way since Men in Black, if you want to feel old real quick. Um, <laughs> Men in Black came out and just kind of revolutionized summer blockbusters again. You know, I think Jurassic Park was like the last good summer movie, blockbuster kind of movie, uh, until, you know, and then we had the Godzillas and all, and the Batman and Robins and so many just bad summer movies. Then Men in Black came out and it's like, what? This doesn't suck? You know, and mm-hmm. people were like, wow, these movies can be really fun and good if we want them to. And Marvel has kind of taken that torch, you know, and, and every summer you kind of look forward to, you know, a new Avengers or, you know, what is, uh, what are they going to do with the Guardians this year or, you know, Ant-Man, you know, some kind of new character is introduced. But now it's just kind of sequels on sequels and, and you kind of wait, you know, I just kind of playing the waiting game for Star Wars for the next big blockbuster, fun, big, epic sci-fi movie of the year. And, you know, I have slight hope for anything between now and then that'll that'll get uh you know get me excited you know how can they think okay what if we get 
Dane DeHaan and Cara Delavinenine and base a franchise off of them and make it almost identical to Jupiter Ascending. Like, what if we did that? That'll be that'll be great. Like, I cannot imagine a world in the U.S. where that will be a successful film, franchise, whatever. I mean, you just surely have to be betting on the Asian market and things like that, and the you know the overseas market for Valerian. I, I just same with King Arthur. I mean, they really guys, uh, Hollywood insiders. I know you listen to the show, studio people, things like that. Uh, the numbers say that the. Uh, you know, people in LA like to listen to us. And just we're available. Us three consult consultants. You know, we'll, we'll do it. You know, we'll come into your board meetings. You just run ideas off us. We'll say yes or no. Uh, you know, I, I could have told you. We could have told you that a lot of the stuff just doesn't have the doesn't have the the draw that you would want in these kinds of kinds of franchises and movies. And some people somewhere along the line thought that. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword was a good idea. Um, I don't think making a movie with Guy Ritchie is a bad idea. I don't think making a King Arthur movie is a bad idea. But in this context, it was. And, and I just don't understand kind of the thought process in Hollywood. If it's to make money, why aren't they making things that people want to see? It seems very counterintuitive to make Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. And, and you know, in the trailer, they're like, based on the epic graphic novel. Like, okay, well, there's 2,000 people who have read that graphic novel in America. You know, <laughs> You're, it's not like uh, it's not like it's Ready Player One, even, you know, or or even, you know, something that has kind of a built-in uh, narrative fan base, like The Twilight, or uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what are those movies with Shailene Woodley? I can't even remember. Oh, Divergent. 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 Yeah. I was going to say Descendants, but that's her other movie that's uh, that she's in. Um, I'm, I mean, there's just there's a, a lack of inspiration in Hollywood, and uh, it's for the big movies. I don't think there's a lack of inspiration for the art house cinema and for the uh, Oscar movies because I think those are as good as they've ever been. But somebody really needs to come along. Uh, I mean, maybe Avatar was like the last. Did Avatar come around around Chris come out at Christmas or was it a summer yeah, movie? Yeah, it, it was Christmas. Christmas. Okay, well, I'm wrong there, but I mean, that's like the last big sci-fi movie that was an original idea that everyone was like, "Holy crap!" You know, um, uh, Gravity just, too. That was Christmas. No, I know, but so was Avatar. Uh, uh, I mean, like science fiction world. You know, like a yeah. something that you could say, okay, maybe if they don't wait 11 years and make another movie of this. Like this could spawn into something really cool. Uh, there's just a, a lack of originality. And uh, I really do think it has more to do with Netflix and Hulu and things like that. I really do think people get their fix through that, through television. I think the the quality of television is that good nowadays that people just don't care as much as they used to about the movies until Oscar season comes around and they're saying, oh, La La Land's good, let's go see La La Land, you know? Or let's go see what everybody's talking about rather than seeking out and finding out uh, what the good movies are. Like, Get Out is a perfect example. Uh, you know, had a lot of strong buzz, and then people were like, oh, you have to go see it. And the word of mouth for that one just kept it going. And and things like John Wick and things like that uh, have kind of built their own fan base. But, man, Netflix is slowly killing the movie business. And I, I mean... You know, Sandler's already done it, but I'm I'm not going to be surprised when more and more stars and directors just go to, to Netflix to make 
their stuff, and it'll be more convenient Scorsese's for everybody. doing it now, right? I mean, that's a big one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it would not it would not surprise me if that's kind of where they go, or if they offered the kind of I think we talked about it a couple months ago, where you can pay thirty bucks and see Guardians two the day it comes out, you know, on your TV instead of paying fifteen and going to a theater. Which man, if they do that, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be surprised at the amount of people that take advantage of that. I think a lot of people would pay more not to have to do the, the theater thing. So, again, we'll see how this, this summer goes, but predictions say it's going to be a down year for blockbusters, and uh, you know I'm not too excited about any of them, really. The ones I am excited about is Baby Driver and, and All Eyes on Me, and those are going to make 30 to 40 million opening weekend or whatever at best, you know, and and do maybe decently throughout the rest of the summer, but uh, no big movies really intrigue me uh, the rest of the way out. So, speaking of big movies, <laughs> let's talk King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Boom. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Boom. Cool. All right. Where, well, uh, where should we start with this one? Brian, I think, I think you should start it. Uh, you saw it first. You get the first word. Boy, oh boy. Well, that's here. Let me start with this. I am with you, Kent. We all were in the same boat when we talked about this on the summer movie draft in passing that we all had a little bit of excitement for this movie. I wrote about it in our newsletter that came out earlier this week about how this story always attracts me 
and I'm always disappointed by the product. Um, I I don't know that there is a good, true King Arthur based movie like Sword in the Stone. The animated one is fun, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail is hilarious. But I don't I don't know that there's a straight movie that is uh, particularly good in the the Arthurian legend sort of feel to it. And yet we are always pretty stoked about them when they come out. So like, I don't think that this movie is a bad idea and I I'm with you. What you said earlier, Kent, I, I like Guy Ritchie generally speaking. And I, one of the things I like about him is that I think his movies are pretty um, unique and they have their own style. And you can usually tell when you're watching a Guy Ritchie movie. And I don't think having watched and enjoyed the two Sherlock movies, I don't think that a Guy Ritchie King Arthur movie is a bad idea. What is apparently a, a very bad idea, and yet is what we got on the screen, is a just the most haphazard King Arthur movie of all time, with almost no touches of Guy Ritchiness to it. And to me, that's the most. There's a lot to complain about with this movie. Like I'm, I'm very angry about the movie and and the the finished product and i it's just baffling to me how it got to this point there's so many screw-ups along the way um to putting this product together but the biggest issue the biggest complaint i have is that there's almost no guy ritchie ness or or the guy ritchie factor or feel to this movie so what is the point what is the point of having guy ritchie direct a king arthur movie that feels like I don't know, like an Uwe Boll movie. Like it's not, I, I I don't get it. I don't know what he was doing. Um, I don't know what the studio is doing if to, to let this happen and to just be like, yeah, this is fine. Whatever this finished product is cool. That's fine. I, I'm kind of baffled by how bad this movie is and how stylistically lost it is. And that's not even getting into the overarching narrative that do, do you guys have, I have no clue. <laughs> I almost have no clue what even is happening in the movie, uh, let alone have any sense of what we were trying to accomplish or how in the name of God, they decided that we needed to tell this story, a stupid King Arthur movie that should have been just dumb fun uh, some are blockbuster stupidity. Instead, we needed to tell it in a non-linear fashion. I, I'm, I'm at a loss, guys. Like, I, I don't know what this is. One of the most frustrating movies I've, I've ever seen. And I'm, like, I, I was texting you guys during the movie. There was no one else in my theater. I know that's shocking since it's made like twelve million dollars. But I was texting you guys and some other friends of like, I, I don't understand what's happening. I don't know why. This this played out the way it did. So I'm not a fan, as you may be able to tell, and I'm I'm pretty ticked about it. So uh, I'm I'd love to hear what you guys have to say because we haven't we haven't talked about it at all. We try to keep it uh, off the air or quiet off the air. So what, Richard? What did you think? What, what are your general thoughts? Wow, he's at a loss for words. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. It was my mic was was jiggly. I loved it. I thought it was a delight. 
and uh, some of the best performances I've seen all year and the best screenwriting. So I'm just going to throw it to Kent because I'm, I'm <laughs> 10 out of 10. No. Um, you know, this is... this is I, Okay, so I come at it from a different angle. I never, aside from his first kind of early movies, which were at least really innovative. I don't know if they're good, but they're... Or I don't know if they're great, but they're innovative. They're, they're good. But I've never been... I don't really... Um, I, I, I don't really... Uh, care for guy Ritchie. i didn't i didn't really like those sherlock movies very much at all um i find him i don't know to me he's kind of my uh uh brian how you feel about uh of course i'm blanking the back to the future director zemeckis he's kind of my zemeckis like he just kind of leaves me i just don't really understand the appeal but but he's made some good some good things he uh this so it wasn't shocking to me that this was aggressively bad but yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I guess the Sherlock movies were so successful that because he did he do the did he do the Secret Agent movie a couple years ago with um, yeah, and that that was kind of a flop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why didn't did, do great. Man from Uncle? Man mm-hmm. from Uncle, right? Sorry, my that was pretty decent scattered. though. Yeah, it, it underperformed, was, but... but it was because it starred Army Hammer and Henry Cavill, not because yeah. it wasn't uh, no, wasn't yeah, well done. I, I don't. I think that movie is pretty well done, but. Uh, it didn't do that well, so I don't understand why you would take read this script. I'm with you, Brian. I'm 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 angry, but I'm I'm more confused. Why you would take a script that's this sort of um not only dumb, but densely dumb, like you said, like really kind of out there, and just throw blockbuster tentpole. Like this is something you would think that would have uh Kellen Luntz in it and would come out in February. Yeah, you know, like yeah. when you read this and you're like, all right, that was terrible, but mm-hmm. it only cost twenty million. And it's right. going to make thirty million, and you know, overseas people will see it, and that's fine. But it's like to to put that much money and marketing money behind a film like this um, is just I I'm really baffled. What what was the studio? I don't even remember. The Warner Brothers. Boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shocking. I have another conversation about Warner Brothers yeah, here that. at yeah. the end. Like once we review this, uh, it's a whole other story. But uh, man, hundred and fifty million dollar budget. I mean, this movie. Just watching it, it was just so extravagant. I mean, good grief. The amount of CGI, the the sets, the costuming, the uh the the scale of the movie was was huge. Um I just don't know why I mean you you mentioned Kellen Lutz. Uh is is Charlie Hunnam any different? Let's be real. Like they're they're yeah. bank, they banked this whole thing. On the fact yeah. that they thought Charlie Hunnam was a movie star, that everyone wanted to go see the new Charlie Hunnam movie. Uh, he's solid, you know, liked him in Pacific Rim, Sons of Anarchy, all that good stuff, you know. I think there's a place no for Jai him. Courtney. He's no Jai Courtney. I mean, <laughs> Jai Courtney would have been maybe better. Like, for ra- name recognition-wise, Jai Courtney was in Suicide Squad, so. Like, what has Charlie Hunnam do- yeah. done that, that makes them think, like, shouldn't... Would this movie have worked better if Jude Law was King Arthur and Charlie Hunnam was the other character? You know, I don't yeah, know. Look, that's problem me, number deal, one. It's a, it, that's a two part answer to that. Is number one, I don't think Charlie Hunnam is a particularly talented actor. I can't. I do think that he can be good. I, as somebody who's watched every season of Sons, there were moments, there were parts of that show that he was very good. I think it's partly that he's good at playing that character and that's a, that's about it. But he was fine in Lost City of Z. He was fine in, um, what's that Guillermo del Toro movie? The, um, Crimson, uh, Crimson Peak. Well, yeah. Crimson Peak. He was fine in that Pacific Rim. Like he can be 
He can be an okay part of your movie. He can be the like kind of the the median uh, area of your film, and you can get away with what he does. And I, the other part of that is, I think they cast him because the idea. And this is what at least what I took from the trailers, and there are parts of the movie that sort of lean that direction. They're trying to go for like I don't know, like a sort of an edgy King Arthur, a kind of rough and tough, a, a an intimidating sort of presence and he can do that the problem is to your point can't you you can't build a whole movie and an entire marketing campaign this was a franchise franchise on charlie the guy from Jax teller from sons of anarchy he's gonna intimidate he's gonna be kind of a cool king of arthur that doesn't that that can't work and it, it certainly can't work if you don't give him the right stuff i think he's just he's an actor who if you hand him exactly what you need him to say and you tell him exactly how you need him to say it and if that involves like some sort of uh some sort of swagger then you can get away with it but if you if you need him to um come up with his own <laughs> bits or or if you're going to give him a half formed script which this clearly clearly is he can't do it he's not i don't know he's not daniel day lewis you know you can't ask him to 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 rise above the material he's not that hot take kind of actor so charlie hunt i'm not daniel day lewis not as good as daniel day lewis put that skip put that on the paper uh put that on the poster excuse me but yeah so like i'm okay with the idea of Look, we're, we've got this King Arthur movie. We're looking for a real swaggy sort of uh, sort of King Arthur, and he's going to be uh, going to have some some uh, some charisma, some charm to him, but not not like in a Ryan Gosling kind of way. He's just kind of a tough dude, uh, a little bit of edge, and uh, we'll just we'll just kind of figure it out as we go. That that's not going to work. That's not going to work with him. He's not. He, he can't do it. He just can't do that stuff. Man, this movie is it's a mess. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's so convoluted by mm-hmm. doing this, you know, I think Ugh. they, they think, oh, well, people like Game of Thrones, they'll understand yeah. everything going on here. Game of Thrones is successful because of the, because of how it's built, because they've created interesting characters with interesting backstories and they have the time to tell the story, right? It's, it's not like we have two hours and we need to have all these characters and introduce them and have them be compelling enough for an audience to care about who stays and goes by the end of the thing. Um, and it's not the Hobbit where you can have the fellowship of the ring or, you know, as many dwarves and elves that people already know because they've read the source material and they know the whole thing. Um, I mean, this movie goes from huge, big action scene to sitting around talking to huge, big action scene to sitting around talking. And then, Oh, we're going to do a huge big action scene. But in the middle of that action scene, we're just going to keep cutting back to people sitting around talking and it never, (laughs) it never establishes a rhythm, a tone. Uh, it never, you never think that the things that are happening are actually happening because they keep cutting back to people sitting around talking. So you're thinking, okay, are they talking about what's going to happen? Like, is this the prediction of what they're talking about or is this happening simultaneously to what they're talking about? It just, I just never knew when they were talking mm-hmm. about the future or the past or if it was happening as I was seeing it, uh, that happened three times in the movie that I counted. Yeah. Where I was yeah, just like, totally. is this is this happening or is this was this something that happened in, you know, in the past? Or I, I was just so confused by the, the actual timeline of events was yeah. just completely whack in this movie. A hundred percent. 
it really starts to get not that it wasn't already kind of what I was already scratching my head, but when we get kind of a throwaway scene of uh, Jude Law's character walking down to see that the sword in the stone has apparently been revealed by the waters receding, and we haven't had anything to show us (laughs) what's his name, Uther putting the sword in the stone, or... Um, anything that led up to what has just transpired. But didn't you see the Brian 50 minutes later, you got the octopus people like that was the explanation. Mama, mama June in the, in the water. It's just (laughs) like, (laughs) Hey, she lost weight. (laughs) It's my favorite part of the movie. Honestly, uh, best cameo of the year. I would say, but like, that's, (laughs) I just, that's, (laughs) it's just defeated me. I, I can't believe because it's like, it's like he thought, um, you know, I'm all for, and I've said this a million times, and I'm I'm big on giving the audience credit or or believe trusting that the audience is smart enough to follow what's happening on the screen. But it, it's it's like they thought it's it's like he thought. Well, everybody knows what happens with with the sword mm-hmm. in the stone. Everybody knows how that sword got in the stone, or what Excal the legend of Excalibur and all this. No, they don't. No, they don't because this story is. <laughs> this story really isn't relevant at all. It's not relevant to the people that should be going to see your blockbuster PG-13 movie, right? Like it's not nobody is um this is public domain sort of territory. And on top of that, this story has been done so many times that if you are familiar with the source material at all, if you have any familiarity with it, you're likely very confused <laughs> on what actually happens or what the timeline is or the chain of events that go into this legend because it's different every single time every movie tv show book whatever gives you a different accounting of this story so more than more than the average film it is it is very important that you make that abundantly clear from the outset here is how this here's what's happening this is the world in which this arthur is operating because either you don't know this world and we need to make sure that you understand how it works or you know so much you've been in this world so many dumb times and you don't you can't figure out which thing we're doing that's a major part of the narrative of this movie and you don't find out how the stupid sword got in the stupid stone which Spoiler alert, turns out to be his dead dad's body. How does that work? That was Regardless, very weird. That's like 50 minutes into the movie. And by that point, I've already quit. I've already given up on are we ever going to get any freaking answers to what is happening? That's awful, awful filmmaking. It I don't know, man. It just it feels like <laughs> it feels like this entire story, it's like they it's like they I don't know. It's like they shuffled all the pages and then just filmed consecutively and stuck it together like that. Oh, it's fine. We'll figure it out. That doesn't. I don't know. I just can't. It, believe it feels like this is the second. Stupid. It feels like the it's the second is. movie in a in a franchise. Yeah. And we yeah. all miss the first movie. Like there's a there's a movie before mm-hmm. this that explains who everybody is, what everybody's doing, but we never saw that, and we're just right. thrown into this universe and expected to completely understand everything that's going on and every backstory and everything. Right. Um. Man, some, some you just, you very just can't bad. do that with this. You can't do it. It's not. I don't know. It's not a. This is not something that you can. This is not a movie that you're guaranteed to get a franchise out of. Which they planned six movies. How in the world did you think no, you were going to get? They six really movies? did. Yes, yes. This was supposed to be part of a 
I don't even know what that word is. Six movies. You you can't make this the first movie in a six movie series. It's not. It's not possible. There's that's the stupidest thing. That's stupider than the Power Rangers having six movies planned out or whatever, five movies, whatever it is. It's not going to happen, and it's certainly not after this kind of take. But but this should, if you wanted to, if you want, if you would have done it right, this could be the launching point for a B team franchise. But it's not going to be now. It can't be. It can't be because of how completely incoherent the movie is and that's i i I don't know it made me very angry because i wanted to i really wanted to like this movie and i i'm super into the idea of an arthur franchise an arthur series and more than that i'm into the idea of a just a freaking good arthur movie because there aren't any like this could we not do that why can we not do that correctly yeah i don't know um Source material that uh, most people will be familiar with for this. Uh, The Sword and the Stone, the Disney movie, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Guy Ritchie, uh, Sword and the Stone came out in 1963. Yeah. And no no parent in 2017 is like, all right, Timmy, I know you love the Minions, but we're going to sit down and watch The Sword and the Stone from 1963. Yeah. No you, kid you, cares about Right. You know all. how I know that? Because I've tried. <laughs> because I've tried. Yeah. I, I tried to show my kid Sword and the Stone earlier this year, and he was bored out of his mind. Like, it's it's not a movie that has any cultural relevancy at this point. And, uh, you know, I understand maybe wanting to make Charlie Hunnam this big uh, movie star and let's base a King Arthur movie around, you know, just King Arthur and not necessarily the Knights of the Round Table and the whole shebang that comes around, you know, the, the Excalibur and its history and everything. Um, but what they left out of the movie, which was a big disappointment for me and was my favorite part of The Sword in the Stone is Merlin. Like, how can yeah. you do this without Merlin? And the, they the, keep the, hinting at it. They too. hint at Merlin, and the mage is supposed to kind of be take the place of the Merlin. And Astrid Burgess Frysby, you need to stop. Like you, she was really bad. She was horrible in this movie. Uh, was barely even speaking the lines. Like mm-hmm. they had to have been feeding her word by word. Like that's what it sounded like. They were feeding it to her in an earpiece, word by word, and she was just repeating after what they said. I mean, it was, it was just dead. Uh, that yeah. performance, and uh, you know, I can't even, I can't even uh, really comment on Jude Law other than like he's back, I guess, like trying to make movies again and be out there again. I feel like we haven't seen much from Jude Law in a while. Uh, yeah, you know, so that's weird. I, I'm not a huge Young Jude Pope Law fan. Big, he's but... one of those guys that I kind of have to sell myself on every time, even though he's he's usually pretty good and everything he does. I thought he was, I thought he was acting in a different movie than what he was actually in. Uh, I thought he was, he was doing some interesting stuff and trying to, I think he was trying to do what Charlie Hunnam is not capable of doing, which is bring up the material. And I, it just, it didn't, it doesn't really work when you're surrounded by just utter incompetence. And it, was it clear to you? Cause I was texting with, um, with Ariel, our friend Ariel uh, of geek one-on-one podcast. I was texting with him about because he'd he'd gone to see it before me but the opening it is incredibly unclear what jude law's uh, what's the stupid character name vortigern vortigern what his motives even are like you (laughs) don't 
it, it just all of a sudden it He's just bad for being, shows being his, bad. Yeah, he just shows his face at the table, and then all of a sudden he's betraying them. It doesn't. Can you not give me? Can you uh, not give me one line of exposition on that? And then again, it's the same as the, the sword being in the stone. They explain it an hour later. Well, by that point, I don't care anymore because I'm I've checked out on what a stupid movie I'm watching. And it, how did no one in the whole? How did no one in the chain of command in the entire process of making this movie say uh, this is going to lose audiences because no one knows what the crap is happening? Yeah, uh, you sure it had nothing to do with the elephants, giant elephants. Those are out of nowhere. It has nothing to do with anything. Oh, okay, that's yeah, that's surprising. Yeah. I was like, why? Mm. Why are elephants four hundred feet high all of a sudden in this universe? Like, yeah, what? What happened drawn between from the dark? I, you know, four hundred years ago and now that elephants uh, have exponentially shrunk in size to their normal form. Uh, by the way, did you notice how fast they repaired the city? Like the entire city was ravaged by those giant yeah. elephants. And yeah, all right the bridges were completely, by the time Charlie Hunnam went from age 10 to 25, the entire city was rebuilt and yeah. uh, everything was perfectly fine. Uh, so I love the uh, historical accuracy uh, that they, <laughs> that, uh, that guy Richie, uh, you know, his attention to detail is, is pretty incredible. <laughs> um, kind of what I found Guy Ritchie's thing, you know, like what if, what if, uh, what if Sherlock Holmes was a superhero? Boom. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a franchise. What if uh, Man From U.N.C.L.E. people were superheroes? Cool, let's just cast Superman, and we're good, right? Uh, what if King Arthur was a superhero? Like, they, yeah. they really treat these like they are superhero or like Batman Begins origin stories. Uh, and, you know, they work to varying degrees of success. I think, uh, you know, in hindsight, Sherlock Holmes is a lot better than... Uh, it probably should have been <laughs> the first one was, and you know they got a sequel, and it was I still haven't seen the sequel. I don't think like that, but it really didn't interest me at all. But um, you know, the, the, on the on the thought of Guy Ritchie making a King Arthur movie, I'm on board with that because yeah. you know I thought that his visual style and kind of what he's when it, what stands out with him is those action scenes where. Uh, you know, this it's cutting back and forth between fast and slow motion and things like that, and the camera's kind of moving around uh, without uh, without a cameraman. You know, it's kind of virtually moving through the scene as if uh, as if it's a spirit or something like that, as if uh, there's no one controlling it and things like that. I mean, he he has some creative output as far as that goes. So it's like, wow, that could be really cool. You know, King Arthur with Excalibur. You know, that type of scene. Well, we don't really get that kind of scene until an hour and 50 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And, uh, it's so jumpy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the most CGI thing ever. Like there is not one aspect of it that was shot on camera. I don't think, I mean, Charlie yeah. Hunnam looks like he's like rubber man or something. Like, I mean, <laughs> that could have been really cool, but it was yeah. just totally overdone and, and well, not enough of it. Like you should have, he should have pulled the sword out of the stone 15 minutes into the movie Got an Excalibur, just kicked everyone's butt, and everyone's fearing, you know, King Arthur, and then he just goes on a rampage for the rest of the movie, and uh, no one can stop the king, and everyone, he gains everybody's respect through Excalibur, and that's it, you know, and and defeats the the enemy. But, I mean, it just took so long to get to that moment, that climactic moment of him realizing his powers and using his powers, and by then, 
movie was over and and no one cared anymore. You know, it it really yeah. was people sitting around oh. talking. I mean, this was this was as boring. This is reminding me of Exodus: Gods and Kings. Like, is this yeah. not the same thing as that? Just totally cocky, totally over overthought, and uh, you know, overly complicated when it came to the script, using just medieval terms and languages that no one really cares about anymore. And again, not creating a universe that uh, anyone has any prior knowledge or uh, of, and not doesn't have the time to establish the characters like a Game of Thrones does or a Vikings TV show does, you know. Right. Uh, and and man, what a miss! Maybe they were counting yeah. on six films to do that, but oh you got to get the first yeah. one down first, guys. You can't, you can't do. You got to get it right the first one if you're gonna have that happen. At this point, we're in spoilers. Just FYI, sure. in case anyone cares, but. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. Like the the drawing of the sword, it takes forever to get there, and then that moment is super anticlimactic. He just falls asleep. That was I was kind of bummed on that because it's like, okay, we could still kind of salvage what's happening here if we could now get into fun action movie. And they no, no, we're not going to do it. So then we build towards the next scene in which we're finally going to get him just unleashing the beast. And it's in that courtyard where uh, all the the king's soldiers are pouring into, and he finally does. He cuts it loose, and it turns into the most video game CGI looking. You can't see what's happening because there's like dust everywhere, and it's just <laughs> yeah. like, well, that was not what, what I was expecting. I thought this was going to be like the quick cut action sequences with a, I don't know, a magic sword of some sort, and then and then can't. We finally kind of get him unleashing, and then he goes and throws the lake in the or the the stupid sword in the yeah, lake, and he yeah. just like I quit, and just pulls a Sunny Weaver and throws. I it's just like I, what are we doing? That should yeah. everything is happening in the wrong order. That should have happened before he goes crazy and just yeah. dominates everybody, and and so all it does is serve to MacGuffin them a reason to or a, a way in which um he can be off getting the sword back from the Lady of the Lake, because he, he lost it for a minute and a half, while the King's Guards go in and kill all of his people. So great job, King Arthur. You you yep. got rid of your sword, and in the process, you killed everybody that you're close to. Awesome. That's <laughs> that's what I'm looking for in a king, really. Uh, I mean, there's one attempt in this at a really kind of well-thought-out action sequence, or at least uh, as far as the setup goes. In the the archery scene where they're shooting the king from 175 yards away and they're Mm -hmm. trying to set up that, like that maybe had the most potential of being something really fun and cool, but it never really gets there, you know? Um, And, uh, you know, somebody like a Christopher Nolan maybe could have made that more than what it was that Guy Ritchie made it, but (laughs) sure, uh, I mean, it was just like uh, the concept was there, but the execution was not there. And, uh, you know, again, we're in spoilers here and I want to talk about Warner brothers here, um, before we, before we end this conversation, but, uh, you know, right when Excalibur, you, 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 he realizes the power of Excalibur and he gets this, you know, it's right before the last kind of, uh, the last third act action scene with, uh, Jude Law's giant or something, uh, <laughs> like, wow, Excalibur's awesome. So glad that King Arthur finally has this ability. And then he, and then a giant snake comes out of nowhere and kills everybody. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The freaking what? snake. <laughs> Why? Why are there giant animals in this? I don't, is it because of the magic or what? 
Why that, that was, was never explained. Are we on Skull Island? Is that I don't is know, it? dude. And having him, you got to you got to go to the Darklands to figure out how to use this sword. Which, by the way, he still didn't figure out how to use the sword. But okay, cool. You go to the Darklands. What's the Darklands? Uh it's just this island where a bunch of weird animals live. So cool. We're gonna spend fifteen minutes on that for no reason, for absolutely no reason. But later, it's gonna pay off because the big snake's gonna come. I, I yeah. like what? What? How does that? Who? You know what I need in a King Arthur movie? So confused, Kent, Richard. You know that's that's what I'm really looking for in all my King Arthur. It's not it's not King Arthur. It's not Excalibur or Guinevere or Lancelot nope. or like or this whole yeah or Merlin or like this sense of uh, of or Thomas raw, of right yeah or any of that stuff. What I'm really looking for is a giant snake. That's mm-hmm. that's what I need. And that I mean, really, that's what's been missing in all King Arthur movies up to this point is a giant snake. Yep, that's what that's what I came to see. If this didn't have a giant snake, I would have left. But thankfully, it did, and I stayed in my seat till the end. Gosh, man. Brian, I stayed till the end too because you demanded that I do, and I don't I don't understand why. Yeah. I, I know because you wanted me to be sad. Yeah, I wanted you to see the giant snake. Like that comes out of nowhere. There's yeah. not there's not any reason for the giant snake to be the thing that. I, I guess sort of wins them the day. I I don't I, yeah I don't understand. Um, man, I'm glad I stayed till the end because the way this thing ends, I mean, it reminded me of Fantastic Four, the Fan oh, Four, yeah. Fant Four yeah. stick from uh, mm-hmm. from two years ago. Uh, it's just like all right, let's spend the last ten minutes of this setting up for a sequel. All right, now right. we have to knight every night, right? And they're Gosh. they're knighting these men like. A, we know who they are, and B, like right, they've earned something. Right. Like they've done this huge thing. Like <laughs> they didn't they, knight the snake. They've done anything significant, <laughs> right? The snake just goes away, and you know, <laughs> thanks for saving the day, but we'll see you, I guess, next time, maybe something like that. Yeah, next time we need um, some help. Yeah. So they're knighting all the knights, and uh, again, I still don't know who was a knight and who was a homeless guy. I mean, they could have brought a homeless guy <laughs> well, in there and knighted him, and I would not have known the difference. Yeah. Um, like, this is your cast. You're you're building a franchise. <laughs> off of Charlie Hunnam and Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Like, that's just... <laughs> yes. How did you think that was going to pay out? Like, I don't know. How did you spend $175 million when you spent $8 on the cast? I, I just... I don't get it. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand how this happened. And here's the thing. This, this is... To me, this was the biggest thing. There's one scene early in the movie. Uh, it's a talking scene, Kent, so I know it drove mm-hmm. you crazy. But... When he sits down, he and his two buddies, whose names I, I can't possibly remember, but they, they sit down, Backlack and, and Wetstick, like, you know, classic names from Arthur. But they, he sits down with this this knight and he describes the day that they'd had, like the events of the day. And it's really, it's quick cut, it's fast paced, it's, um, it's kind of pithy dialogue. And that scene, I, I'm not saying that that's a particularly good scene, but it was... It was fun. It was enjoyable. And it was definitely Guy Ritchie. It was it was very much up his alley. And I thought, this is what we should be doing. Like, if this is the movie and that's the kind of um, that's the kind of vibe we're getting with Arthur and with all of his friends and uh, and that's going to carry through, then I think that that I think it could work and I or at least could work as. You know what? That was fine. It was fun. I had a good time. I'm not going to watch it again. It's a B movie, but that's fine. Like that's that is totally fine. And that's a decent platform from which to build a franchise. You can make a franchise out yeah, of that yeah. kind of movie. And they just completely went away from it at almost 
like almost purposefully, almost purposefully left what he might be good at, Guy Ritchie, and what his cast might be good at, and went in a different direction. And I just, I don't get it. I don't understand what the what the decision making process was like yeah, on that. I don't know. And you know, and it, I also had issues. Like there were times when I thought something that might make this a little bit better is if they went in with kind of like uh, if they would have night a knight's tailed it and had modern music play in the background or something mm-hmm. or like be the 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 pouncing the pounding score in the background that could have made it like a little yeah. more fun or yeah. at least a little more a little easier for me to just say okay it was what it was and they never did that and so i was like well i feel like that's a missed opportunity but i guess that that's not what you're going to do and then they did it right before the freaking snake comes in yeah. they had this like i don't know what song that was but this very mo- clearly a modern song and then so it's like what why do you do that the whole freaking time i don't i don't I understand. There was this song. I don't know if you heard it. I think it was in that scene, but it sounded like a <laughs> like a medieval version of Kanye's uh, uh, black skinhead or whatever it is. It's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that was the that was like for six minutes of the movie. It's just this voice and like medieval music going, <laughs> and that did not work at all. Uh, no. I don't know what how Guy Ritchie like. All right, man, here's the score to this scene. He was like, "That's gonna work. That'll do." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, man, I have in my notes. Uh, there's a there's a chase through the town that uh, reminds me very much of Now You See Me's run through New York, New Orleans, where it's just shaky cam and people running around, <laughs> and you never know yeah. what's going on. Um, I have uh, in my notes uh, giant animals fighting, cutting to people sitting around talking. Which is a great scene. <laughs> the giant animal fight cutting to people sitting around talking. I'm sure they storyboarded that one. It was a it was a really good time. Yeah. And um at the end, he's actually building a table or whatever. <laughs> and no one has ever seen a table but What's this? Yeah. And, What's uh, <laughs> the literal last line of the movie, the last thing that's said is it's a table. You sit at it. That's the last line. And credits roll. Boy. <laughs> I was like, this cannot be real. This can't be. Ha- oh, and it just, it just happened. That was, no, that, oh, wow. So that reminded me of, uh, there's four of us. That's fantastic. Or whatever it was in Fantastic Four. That was, oh, wow. That's a cringe. It's such a cringe. Um, but again, setting up for a sequel, I'm sure that the next sequel will be, King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> and uh, that's where they were going to introduce Merlin. You know, we don't want to give away Merlin too soon, guys. We want to build up to Merlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Should have done it, and maybe it would have worked. You know? Oh, man. I don't even know. Michael Caine as Merlin, or I don't know, I don't know what they would have done. He was just wandered onto the set. Yeah. yeah. Wandered onto the set and been totally fine with it. But this brings up a, a bigger question about Warner Brothers. And what do they got actually coming out, right? So this week was, um, uh, first of all, this year, I should say, uh, for Warner Brothers. They started off the year strong, super strong, with Live By Night, the Ben Affleck gangster movie. Mm. Uh, then they had Lego Batman, moderate success. Uh, they had Kong Skull Island, moderate success. They had the Chips remake. Gosh. That came out. I huge, success. About, yeah. huge success. Huge success. Huge success. 
Uh, they had they going in, the going in style, <laughs> which don't mm. recall that one. That's the Zach Braff heist ah, movie okay. that yes. shouldn't ex- should not be directed by Zach Braff. It's a weird thing. <laughs> they have King Arthur. They have everything, everything, mm. which is about the girl who can't go outside or something. Oh, I've seen the trailer for that one a couple so times. That comes out this weekend. And then we have Wonder Woman. Mm. Uh, we have The House, the Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler movie. I'm still not convinced that's actually going to come out in theaters. Um, Dunkirk. They do have Dunkirk. And uh, then they have It coming out. Uh, okay. The It remake, which will do well. They have Lego Ninjago, which will okay. do huge, I'm sure, with kids. That's a big TV mm-hmm. show for mm-hmm. kids. They have Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. And then they have Geostorm. Have you seen the trailer to oh Geostorm? Yes. yes. So, what a wonderful world. Like the, oh, gosh. oh it's horrible. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, they need to stop making slow, sad remakes of popular <laughs> pop music for trailers. You know? The whole industry, man. It is. Go, you're trying to take away a bunch of people's jobs, Kent. I won't stand for it. Uh. Okay, uh, St. Vincent, if you could just cry and sing What a Wonderful World simultaneously, we'll just record that. Are you sure? Yeah, that that's what we'll do. Um, they have Justice League. They have The Disaster Artist, which just got distributed by Warner Brothers. That's a James Franco something. Um, they have, I didn't know this, Chicken Soup for the Soul, the movie. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No, that's coming out. That is actually <laughs> not not a moment too soon. Just too. in time, just in time for capitalize on 1987's Chicken Soup for the Soul. <laughs> um, How is Peter a, Marshall not? A, I mean, he's no longer around to direct that. Or Gary Marshall, sorry, <laughs> Gary, Marshall. Gary, Gary Marshall would. Yeah, you're right. It has fifty people in the cast. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> what is Seth Meyers doing in this? Um, they have a movie called Horse Soldiers. <laughs> well, I'm in. Oh, in this oh. one, they ride the humans. Oh, I feel bad. I feel bad about about reading after reading the uh, description. Horse Soldiers. Following the September 11th attacks, oh, CIA, no. CIA agents are sent God, to Afghanistan. Like you set it's me up, Kent. <laughs> no, I didn't know what it was about. It stars Chris Hemsworth, Michael Shannon, and Michael Pena. And no, it's about no. Af- an Afghanistan uh, war mm. movie of some kind. We, so. we should probably write the movie about the horses riding the men, though. That's, that's just dying for the, to be war. written. Yeah. It's a Civil War film where the horses are the soldiers. <laughs> so Joe Johnston is directing um, Chicken Soup for the Soul. No. But, uh, but uh, there's no cast or anything yet, so I'm thinking mm. it's a little ways off. Um, there's a comedy... Written by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, starring Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, called Game Night, where it's like uh, they're playing a game of Clue, but then there's like an actual murder or something like that. Mm-hmm. So and that's they coming time out. Travel. They yeah. have to time travel because Rachel McAdams is in the room, and <laughs> it's a great time. Uh, they have I bet the Jason Flash. Bateman has some quips about time travel. <laughs> he does. Uh, the The Flash standalone. In uh, 2018, that's less than a year from now, by the way, uh, March of 2018. Then well, Tomb Raider, get a director, at some point now, right? That'd be great. Uh, Tomb Raider, the Alicia Vikander reboot of Tomb Raider, coming out <clears> next <throat> year. 
Uh, they have Ready Player One, the Spielberg version of it, um, in March of 2018. That's a March movie. Again, summer movie yeah. season is done. Yep. Capitalizing um, early. They have Rampage, based on the video game starring The Rock, uh, which is filming right now, coming out next year. And uh, Ocean's 8, the all-female, all-lady women uh, Ocean's movie, which actually has a really strong cast, if you've seen the cast. Um, That's like what Ghostbusters should have been, the cast, right? Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, um, Mindy Kaling, and Sarah Paulson uh, star in that one. So that one could be interesting. And Rihanna. Yeah, of course. Rihanna. She'll 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 be in every movie after Valerian comes out. I can guarantee you that. Uh, <laughs> she uh she's already in high demand. The best part of uh, Battleship, right, Brian? How dare you? How dare you besmirch Taylor Kitsch? Uh then we have a movie called Tag, which I'm assuming is about the game of tag, which mm-hmm. doesn't need a movie. Uh there's an untitled DC film coming out next July. So they still haven't figured out that one. Don't know what it's going to be called, but we know it's coming out. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Um, A movie called Meg, which is a horror movie with Jason Statham uh, from Warner Brothers. Uh, A Star is Born remake with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, which could be really cool, but it's coming out in September, so probably not. Man, that could be really cool. Lady Gaga is awesome. Um, Jungle Book no not a Jungle Book sequel but just a movie called Jungle Book that they're somehow still making and nobody has walked in and said why are we doing this so it's gonna be great the Andy Serkis um, directorial debut yeah. Right? yeah public domain man um, Fantastic Beasts 2 <laughs> uh, coming in November of 2018 followed by Aquaman in December of 2018 by the way Christmas Get ready, Christmas next year. Aquaman, I can't I wait. Do that in the summer. Good God, I'm so bad at this. I don't know. Movie You're gonna be going against. Hmm. Yeah, I think I want to. I think I want to watch that around. Well, it smells like Yule Tide <laughs> outside. This isn't that hard? Then they have uh, the following February 2019, uh, the sequel to the Lego Movie, uh, another Godzilla movie, Shazam. Uh, a DC movie, and then Minecraft the movie, May twenty fourth, two thousand and nineteen. So that's Just seriously in time for no kid to play Minecraft. By the right, way. it's good. <laughs> and so after that, all they have planned is untitled DC film, untitled event film, untitled event film, untitled DC film, and untitled event film. And then, guys, uh, thankfully in two thousand and twenty, untitled Scooby Doo film. So uh, we're gonna. <laughs> it's gonna be. That's every. Warner Brothers Pictures movie for the next three years. Have you? Did I name one besides Dunkirk that has piqued any interest, except for maybe Ready Player One and yeah. the Ocean's uh, Ocean's reboot? Could be fun. I mean, they I have some strong points, but but they swallow it up with fifty other things that you're like, that doesn't sound good. Or why are you doing it the way you're doing it? You know, it's it it's not supportive that what they're doing does not support itself that's the biggest concern because they keep throwing away money on these huge movies because they got to do you know they made like 100 million off of Batman v Superman and and you say well they made 100 million dollars but they should have made 500 million or 
one billion, you know, like the, those movies are what keeps your studio afloat. That's what keeps you going. And it pays for 10 yeah. movies when you have a movie like that, that hits the way that it's supposed to hit. And then when you look at suicide squad and how much they had to spend on the extra reshoots, and now they're doing the exact same thing with justice league. And it, guys, you're, you, you got to figure it out. You got to figure out how to, no studio is going to put out 10 movies a year and have all 10 of them be good. But your track record right now is just repulsive. Yeah. Um, what about, there's one I forgot to mention. <laughs> oh, wow. I just saw. Uh, it's called Bastards. And it stars, and I'm not oh, making this up, no, no, Owen Wilson, Glenn Close, and Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> oh, man. And Ed Oh, well, Ed Helms is speaking, so. Jeez. He needs to be. Oh, wow. I just. Uh, Richard, you're right. <laughs> what like, are we doing? It's not that hard. It. I don't know. Like, we're idiots. <laughs> we don't know anything. We don't know anything. We don't know anything about how to. I don't know how to make a movie. I don't know how to run the business. But I guarantee. I don't know. You can put me in a room and I can say, this is a terrible idea. We don't want to do this. And I know there's there's so many factors that go into it. But I can tell you right now, that movie is going to lose money. So why, how do you keep making – what's the chain of command like if you perpetually make yeah. these kinds of bad decisions? And even even if you like – like we get we get emails and tweets and stuff from, from people who enjoyed Suicide Squad or Batman v Superman or whatever. And that, okay, whatever. That's not – the point is even if you like those movies, you have to – you have to acknowledge that they weren't – nearly the kind of hit that they should have been and that Warner Brothers needs them to be. And so if you keep make if you keep going down the same path where you're perpetually underperforming what you're supposed to be making number 1 and number 2 what you're budgeting cuz let's be let's be clear there's no way Warner Brothers didn't think they were making half a billion dollars off of Batman v Superman. So they budgeted for 3 years on that and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen again with Suicide Squad. And it's not going to happen again with Justice League. And on down the list, like, you can't keep screwing up that bad. Yeah. They uh, they don't listen to us, that's for sure. Again, if you want us to come in, fly us out. We'll do a day of con- consultation. Just run some ideas by us, yes or no. I'm sad to say that almost every idea or that you've got coming out is, is a no. Um, Minus a star is born and some other stuff, but uh, we shall see. Uh, by the way, Dave Chappelle's in the uh, Star is Born reboot, uh, so we'll see. All right, uh, that about does it for me for King Arthur. Um, extremely forgettable movie. I never want to think about it again. We had a listener say that you know something like, "I can't wait to watch this ten more times." Like, wh- wh- why? <laughs> Why would you watch this one more time? I'm very confused. Uh, I, I'm all for stupid, fun popcorn movies, but not ones that try to make you think as much as this one does and make you pay attention as much as this one does. This doesn't. This isn't stupid, fun popcorn to me. To me, that's Fast and Furious, where it's every line's a one-liner and they're just flipping cars and drinking right. Coronas. You know, uh, that's fun to me. Um, not. I don't need medieval. Uh, lore thrown in there and giant elephants. If I can, it help is. It. it needs to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's uh, hit a grade here. I'm gonna go patented 
F minus 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 for King Arthur. Brian. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's an, I mean, it's an F. I don't know how to not give it an F. I wish I could figure out a way, but it's, it, it, this may, this movie made me angrier than any movie that we are likely to see this year. I just, I don't, I just don't get why it was so difficult to pull off. So it's, it's an F for me. Okay, uh, Richard, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to go, hmm. B plus, no, F, obviously an F. <laughs> Total F. Wow. On on execution, on uh, mostly execution, because I don't think the idea is Watchability? Yeah, yeah. It's not even good, bad, good. It's just bad, 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 and, and so high-mindedly bad, and that's the worst mm-hmm. uh, kind of bad. So, F. I thought I was going to be the only person in my screening. I saw this on a Monday at like 7 o'clock, you know. thought I was going to be the only person in there, but there was somebody else in there. Just, I just want to know how disappointed that person was. I was going in there for research purposes. That person went in there to see the movie, and I can't imagine that they left happy. Okay, let's move on and hit a weekly recommend. Boom. Weekly recommend. I am going to recommend a show on Netflix. Uh, Master of None is back. Aziz Ansari's Master of None, Season 2. Uh, it's freaking incredible, guys. Like, next level good. Like, just wait for the Emmys to roll around. This is going to be nominated for everything. It is really, really, really good. Um, <laughs> I never would have thought that, you know, give Aziz his own show and he could carry it like he does and be as creative as he's been and have it be as endearing as it is and as funny and lighthearted as it is, but yet so cinematic, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, season two, he does like a whole episode in Italy and he's just, it's the whole episodes in Italian, you know? And it's just so romantic and great. And I mean, it's like what Louis CK wants to do with Louis, but he just hasn't been able to do yet. Like hasn't been able to get it to that level. Um, Master of None season two is, is really good. And, uh, you know, he does a, he does one called I Love New York, I think, and um, it's all about the people of New York. And, you know, I think it's uh, him and uh, his friend Arnold, who's played by Eric Wareheim, who Eric Wareheim directs a lot of the episodes on Master of None. And so credit to him, too. But uh, they're just wondering, you know, about the different people in New York. And then the camera kind of pans over to the doorman as they're walking through this restaurant or they're, uh, um, apartment, and so you know, for 10 minutes, the episode just follows the doorman, and then it hands it off to this deaf person, and so 10 minutes of the show is completely in silence, with these deaf people signing back and forth, and their relationship, and then it comes back to Aziz, like, it's so thought out, well thought out, and structured, and um, there's a great love story involved in it, too, um, like a totally heartfelt, like, actual love story involved in, I mean, what he's able to do with 10 episodes was incredible, and I just never thought that he had it in him. Like, I've loved Aziz forever, love his stand-up, you know, loved him in a small role in Parks and Rec, like, thought he's a great accent, kind of a comedian, but never thought he would be the leading man and writer that he's been, and, and just a visionary for Master of None. Um, excited about season three, but season two blew me away. Like, I like season one, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch more of that, you know? Um, but I was just absolutely floored by Season two, and you guys will really like it. So y'all need to y'all need to head on over to Netflix and and watch Master and Un season two streaming now in its entirety. 
uh, have at it. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, what are you going to recommend, Brian? Yeah, I'm actually going to play off of that because I, I haven't had a chance to watch Master of None Season 2 yet, but I'm super stoked about it because I loved Season 1 and uh, and I love Aziz. And so I'm going to recommend two podcasts um, that are directly related to that. Aziz was on Bill Simmons' podcast last week and uh, his writing partner, Alan Yang, was on Jonah Carey's podcast last week as well. And they're both really They write really every episode interviews. together. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're fan, both of them have, Aziz is obviously the more public figure, but they're both, they both have a lot of insight on uh, the creation of the show and the, the path that they've been on to, to get it to Netflix and whatnot. Aziz is so, Aziz is so entertaining. He's just a really, he tells great stories and he's really fun to listen to. And Alan Yang is very good too. So I, if you like Master of None, um, if you're going off of Ken's Recommend especially, you you're going to want to listen i think to to these two podcasts as well and just kind of um and see the the behind the scenes and the creative the creative part of what went into making uh that's the first season and the second season it's it's they're both of them are really good interviews and they're really interesting and aziz has got very um got very emotional and and much more serious than i've ever seen him talk about or 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 react before talking about um harris wills who's a writer on uh, on parks who who he was close with that died and so it they're really great interviews and i i think uh i think you guys would, would enjoy hearing him so again aziz was on bill simmons podcast and alan yang was on jonah carey's podcast and and both of those were were last week and they're they're good listens uh richard how about you man there's well, a Kent. there's an okay. episode of of season two though called uh first dates and it's all about aziz on tinder and going out with every girl he meets on Tinder, and it is so freaking funny. I mean, unbelievably funny. Uh, how he uses the same lines with every single girl, and how the same line works different on different girls, and uh, the way that that one's structured, too, is genius. You all have to see that one. Uh, that's probably the most comedic episode of the of the season, but uh, super strong, and again, yeah, you're right, Brian. Aziz, hats off. Hats off. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, yeah, Kent stole my first recommend. I finished the season. It's great. And Brian stole my second recommend. So oh, I recommend sorry. the Bad About Movies podcast newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude. No worries. Yeah, new ep- new issue of the newsletter out. Uh, we'll have a new one out next month, but sign up for it. We've, we've gotten a lot of trash with that. It's grown a lot. So uh, head over to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash newsletter and uh, sign up today. Do that. Do that, do that, do that. It's uh, It's my recommend, too. I read it every week. And uh, not every week, every time we release one. And I'm going to start contributing to that more, I promise. Things have been crazy. I'm sorry. Uh, or I won't, because nobody wants me to. So I'll just keep it, <laughs> leave it to you guys. Uh, all right, well, where can we find you online, Brian? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media at Richard Barden or at the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison and on the Snapchat, Instagram, all that good stuff at Kent Garrison as well. KentGarrison.com. See you over there. Um, MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that there iTunes, Mad About Movies, hit subscribe, leave us five stars, tell your friends, help grow the show, take advantage of the sponsors and, and all that good stuff. Uh, we're getting you guys good deals, and uh, we would never recommend something that we don't truly enjoy, that's for sure. Uh, until next time, uh, next week we'll be talking Alien Covenant, I believe. Yeah. 
So look forward to that. And uh, until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Maybe I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me yeah, yeah.